Hello, everyone. I want to thank you for making Locked On Guardians your first listen today and every day free and available on all podcasting platforms, app services. If you get podcasts, you can check out Locked On Guardians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly of 24-7, formerly of Scout, formerly probably every Cleveland sports blog you have ever read. Now all of Locked On, uh, primarily in the past. We started out an Indians writer, then I was a draft writer, and then I was a draft and prospect writer. Um, all the while still occasionally doing stuff on the Indians. Uh, now I am Guardians, I should say. Back then it was the Indians, uh, and that confusion will continue for a while, I'm sure, for all of us. We take a second and just talk about how, you know, I, I am fine with, I, I am very pro name change. I'm very pro Guardians. Um, I'm just glad there's a change. I know some of you out there are pitching this off and turning it away because you're strongly disagree, and that's your POV, and that's fine. Uh, I'm just saying my POV, but can we talk about, like, I can't help but laugh, just like how poorly <laughs> everything about this name change is gone. The fact that they had to like super leak out the information in July, uh, because I think my theory is they were negotiating with the roller derby team, things went south and the information was leaked. So they got all that out there. Uh, then you could finally get gear, but not till what, November. And then once you could get gear, it was very limited gear. And I was going to get gear for my whole family, and then I stopped because they didn't have, they had one shirt that was a kid's youth small uh, for the size for my daughter, and it was completely sold out. So I couldn't then get anything. So then it's a matter of, oh, yeah, hey, for Christmas, everyone gets one except for the four year old. That's going to go well. And you have this brand new rollout, and you know, you want to do it with like your players and like the team worn and all that stuff. But because of the lockout, you can't do that either. Boo does feel like a very Cleveland sports uh, rollout, doesn't it? I, you know, you got to love Cleveland sports. Uh, we have a certain amount of snake bit charm that uh, no other fan base can quite uh, compare to. And if anyone out there is like, hey, we've had, I just, you know, I think back to the, the truly unimaginable things like John Smiley, uh, you know, somehow throwing out his arms so badly before maybe his second start with the Indians, that he never pitched a baseball again. Or uh, Charles Bentley, who was a big free agent addition I was so excited for. First camp of his first year, uh, tears something in his knee and then has a you know, flesh-eating virus and never plays football again. You know, it's Cleveland sports. We, we suffer. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to stick to the negative. Let's move through. Speaking of not sticking to the negative, I'm not going to talk lockout. Uh, you know, yes, I could relabel this locked out guardians. Uh, here's the thing. You got billionaires arguing with millionaires and, uh, I, you know, I tend to side with the players. I think, you know, I, I talked about when I was very delicately handling the situation with, um, the city council and how they're giving money to the team and my issues. Like, I, you know, I, I have a hard time empathizing with billionaires, but I also have a hard time empathizing with millionaires or hundred thousand heirs. Uh, I mean, these are people who make a uh, really good living. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of natural skill. It's a very small amount who get there. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's like both sides. Um, if this extends, they're just hosing themselves. Like, let's be honest. I talked about this many times before. Baseball was a third-place sport in 94. It was already no longer America's pastime. It was already fallen into that spot. If this 
lockout goes longer than you know 50 days i think is the second longest lockout if it goes beyond that there's just you you build up fans that are never going to come back and that's just the truth of the matter and i hope both sides are smarter than that but right now we are in the the fun stage because player agents um you know are heavily involved with players right now and they're going to leak information to all their favorite reporters because for those who don't know um i've had this opportunity and declined it but if you become very chummy with agents everyone who's breaking news that is how they got there you become chummy with agents and uh, occasionally you become a mouthpiece piece for them which we've seen with some prominent reporters recently and that's also where you see like the false information about oh this team is involved in you know signing for this or there's a mystery team um that's often mouthpiece talk and, and i've known a lot of fantastic player agents it's also a very thankless job especially if you're a, a lower level guy because it's like hey you get your guy built up and he goes somewhere else to get more but uh yeah right now we're gonna hear both sides are just gonna crap on each other pretty badly and then uh expect us all to come back happy and ready for baseball uh they're poisoning their well and that's just the truth of the matter i these lockouts um i understand why it is occurring because public sentiment is not in the player's favor and it's not going to be in the player's favor most casual fans want a salary cap they see it in every other sport and they think you know why is it in baseball that uh, my team can't keep their stars if you're a small market one and then it was a badly written letter by rob manford for people who know baseball are like okay this was kind of bs but it was a smart letter by rob manford because he's gonna be like uh you know they don't want us to give money to the poor teams anymore they want higher salaries and they want the ability to leave teams quicker and it was something that is going to they're trying to win in the media and you know the last uh the last strike it's like this, the idea of the salary cap was really one of those things that got pushed and eventually the owners gave up that idea and we've talked about some general stuff that the idea of the salary floor maybe it comes back in but it certainly seems like that's gone um what kind of stinks if you're an indians fan if you're a small market guy uh it, it certainly seems like uh, we might see the end of draft pick compensation which means um, I'll be curious to see how that resets the trade market in a way. Like, does that actually make uh, rentals more valuable now because it's it's uniform? Does it make them less valuable? Uh, it'll be interesting to see, but I think we've seen the end. This will be the last year we have draft pick compensation is my guess. But yeah, we'll, uh, hopefully they're going to sit down and actually make a real effort. It's been very clear that uh, when the owners sit down, they're like, let's talk about the pension. We want to give you less pension money. That's, that's not a good look, and it's clear that they're not even trying um, and nobody's willing to meet in the middle. And again, the longer this takes, the big losers are everyone. The fans will be sad that they don't have baseball. And the owners and players are going to be sad when there's less revenue. Go look at what's happening with NHL and NBA right now. I understand those are indoor games, which makes it a little more tricky. But uh, the amount of decline in attendance. Uh, and then you add on to that what we talked about earlier, uh last month which was i mean a lot of the cord cutting like those tv contracts we talked about that they've hit their peak tv contracts are going to start declining in value uh because the reason they got so valuable is because it was the only thing that was keeping people um, with cords and people were you know buying tv just for sports and then it became that contest to have that content uh that's not gonna occur like bally sports is probably gonna go out of business within the next few years here question is just how soon 
And a lot of that uh, is going to change. A lot of things are going to shift with that. These massive TV contracts in general across all sport, we're seeing some regression. And we're seeing just regression um, in general with sports. There's a lot of uh, a lot of people just kind of done. They've got other things to worry about. So baseball, get your act together. Basically, long story short, uh, short story long, get your act together. Get this figured out. Uh, if you sit here and we get to the point where pitchers and catchers are supposed to be reporting and they're not because of the lockout, uh, you're in trouble. It's a third-place sport that is at some point going to be a fourth-place sport. I mean, that's just the truth of the matter. When you look at something like the explosion of esports, you look at the younger generation, baseball is going to fall to four. It's definitely going to fall behind esports at some point in time. I don't know when, but it will. Uh, it could fall behind many other things as well. And they need to I, – I just keep thinking if you ever watch the show Brock and Meyer, that final season – uh, it feels very prophetic uh, in terms of what was going on trying to save the game as baseball is sliding. Uh, but yeah, uh, get your stuff together. Really come to the table both sides. Hammer out a deal that nobody likes because that's that's basically the only way you have a good deal is when both sides hate it. And come back and uh, you know let's get things rolling. Let you baseball can't afford any extended time off. So we're going to come back. Uh, we're going to do another draft class. People enjoy the draft classes. That means, again, I know, <laughs> failed prospects. Push to next week. Uh, I also got to reach out to Brian Skowski. He and I have discussed. He's coming on. We'll talk prospects. That'll be some more great. There's going to be lots of great content in this space, even with the lockout. Don't stress. Don't worry. I got you covered. And again, hit me up with those uh, Spotify lockdowns on my Twitter, at Draft. I appreciate seeing them. I like seeing them. We'll come back in segment two, and you're going to find out which draft class I chose to highlight this time. See if the Indians did good, bad, indifferent. Take two. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar even better than a candy bar. Built bar filled with so much holiday... I messed that up the first time, so that's why I'm laughing there. Built with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, fat, and high in protein. You get the best of both worlds. Delicious and healthy. So many flavors. You'll have a hard time choosing. We have raspberry or mint brownie, cherry or... Double chocolate, cookies or cream, peanut butter brownie. Uh, mint brownie, double chocolate, peanut butter brownie. Built Bar gives you the extra fuel you need to boost to bust down those mall doors and battle holiday shoppers. Or if you're standing in the, in the shopping lines, Built Bar can give you the extra something to keep you going. So throw on your jacket or purse. You never know when you're going to need it because it's the season of peace and love. Don't bring up your favorite Built Bar flavor at family parties. People are so passionate about their favorite flavor, they'll fight, you, fight for it and things can get out of hand. So go to Built Bar today, use the promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. And, you know, I just put an order myself. Always pay attention. Build up your Built Bucks. You'll find a great thing. I love Built Bar. You'll love it too. Remember, it's BuiltBar.com. Promo code is LOCK15. So and maybe this will just become the Friday tradition. We'll see. It might change throughout the, uh, the offseason, sometimes interviews and stuff. But we're going to do a draft class. I threw it out to the Twitter and, uh, you know, longtime listener Aaron uh, tweeted out his draft year 1980. And I'm like, well, of course, we'll give that to Aaron. You know, it's been a, a rough, rough week for a UVA fan between baseball with Phil Goslin and football. So, um, you know, this is, uh, this is my hope you feel better, uh, Aaron. And we're going to dig in the 1980 draft. It's, it's certainly interesting as I pulled it up because, I mean, just this first round alone, uh, better in terms of management than players and why do i say that how about the fact that the 23rd overall pick was billy bean right if you've seen moneyball you kind of know the story 
He was the 23rd overall pick and had the second highest bonus in the first round. Uh, pretty significant margin, one of only three players in the entire class to get a bonus over $100,000. Uh, the first and fifth picks got those bonuses. And the first pick that year, if you're curious, was Daryl Strawberry, far and away the uh, top first rounder in this class. Also, in terms of management, Terry Francona, uh, University of Arizona, is taken by the Expos. Uh, he gets an $80,000 bonus. He actually is a very high, uh, let's see, you know, everyone loves counting on a podcast. Tied for the eighth highest bonus. He is tied for that eighth highest bonus with the Indians' first round pick. They picked 10th overall that year, and they took Kelly Gruber, shortstop at a Westlake High School in Austin, Texas. Now, Kelly Gruber is still one of the top five first-rounders in franchise history, which is kind of unfortunate because he never actually played in the big leagues with the Indians. Uh, he, you know, uh, it, 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 this is one of those things where as a child, I remember there was anger about this. He was someone, um, I'm being and Han here. So I've talked about many times that A, the Rule 5 draft has changed significantly in the players that you could select. He was he was selected. So that's how the Indians lost him to Toronto for nothing. He was taken in the 83 Rule 5 draft. So that was, he was drafted in 80, and then at the end of the 83 year, after three years out of a high school, they could draft him and put him on the roster. And Toronto did. <laughs> and the Indians ended up having one of their greatest first-round picks never play for them for that reason. Uh unfortunate uh we've talked many times the indians have lost a lot of talent like a kelly gruber like a hector rondon like anthony santander like willie Tavares, uh in the rule five draft and still we'll see what trevor stefan can do but they do not have one player in the history of this franchise that they got in the rule five draft who has been successful that's just the truth of the matter kelly gruber was drafted as shortstop moved to third base two-time all-star a gold glove winner a silver slugger Part of the 92 World Series. Uh, so eight, at age 18, he was in low A, 19 high A. He gets up to double A in uh, 82. So I'm sorry, four years in the minors. That's what it was. It was four years for high school kids, three for college in the old system. Then they bumped him all up a year. Uh, in the early 2000s is when that change happened. So he had been uh, with Chattanooga in 82 in double A. And then for some reason in 83, you know, that's when they changed. Buffalo became the double A team. Now, he'd had a bad year that first year, but he was 20 years old. He was three and a half years younger than his average competition. Uh, so he repeats double A, and, you know, he has an okay season. That's the thing with Kelly Gruber. He was always okay. And, I mean, his his minor league numbers, he had a 734 OPS across his minor league career in almost 700 games. His OPS in the majors in 900 games, uh, uh, 739, a five-point difference. He was fine. Was he great? No, but he was fine, and he was a strong glove. Uh, so, you know, he did okay things. Even once he got to the big leagues, you go through and you pull out some of those big, you know, his, what's probably considered his best year if I go through. I, it's it's got to be 1990, right? That's the year he hit 274, uh, 330 on base, hit 31 home runs, 842 OPS. Uh, he doesn't. I don't even think he has another year in the big leagues where he breaks an 800 OPS. That was really a year that stood out for him. Uh, It was his age, what, 28 year. Uh, The years around it, a 775, 766, 751. Again, he was a solid player. Uh, But that is good enough to be, you know, one of the greatest 
first round picks uh, in Indians history. In terms of just the Indians and the first round, I can quickly pull that up. Before I get to there, if you're curious, like I said, Daryl Strawberry was the top overall pick, uh, and he went you know, to the Mets, as previously mentioned. Gruber had the second best war in that second round, in the first round. Tenth overall pick, second best war. I'm sorry, Gruber is not top five anymore amongst uh, Indians picks. So it goes Manny, Cece, Frankie, Swindell four, Nagy five, six, Jeremy Guthrie, Kelly Gruber was seven, eight, Ray Fossey, nine, Drew Pomeranz. So that might surprise you. And ten, Rick Manning. I mentioned before, Lonnie Chisenhall is the eleventh best first rounder in team history. For some of the crap, uh, I I still have people bring him up in a negative light online to this day. I'm like, oh, you might want to back off. But again, Gruber was uh, tied for the eighth highest bonus was Terry Francona. He went tenth overall. Never played once for the Indians. Rule five selection. Uh, Rick Renteria was also in this class, and I'm wondering if that's John Gibbons who went on to have a significant role in management as well. So yeah, a big future management first round uh first round itself after gruber you have glenn wilson dennis rasmussen and then ron robinson uh six best old friend future old friend alert i you know i don't know how to label it remember Dion james i i do because i had rbi baseball and he was on the 90s indians in that game uh he was also on the rbi two so he was on rbi two and three which I'm 40 for people of a certain generation. Those games are very special and dear. So, uh, but yeah, he was sixth, and it's he was kind of the the bounce around type. So, just getting back into the rest of this class, uh, let's talk about the second round, and then we'll uh, we'll take another break and then come back. Uh, this is a weird class for the Indians. So let's just talk about that in general in the third section. Uh, most war in the second round, Dan Plesak, who didn't sign. Then came Tim Tufel. Tim Burke, good round to get Tim's in, uh, and then Joe Hesketh. Uh, not exactly world breakers here uh, for anyone. The Cleveland baseball team didn't have a second round pick. Uh, it would go to the Chicago White Sox, who would draft Turner Gill. Uh, the Indians signed Jorge Orta, and that's what cost them their pick. Uh, you know, it's hard to argue that selection, uh, that choice. Jorge Orta was 28. He had been decent with the White Sox. He'd actually be an all-star in 1980 um, for the Indians after that signing. A second baseman designated hit a right field, and he played in Cleveland for two years. Uh, second year, not as great, <laughs> but he did come, and uh, he was an all-star. Can we get too mad? I mean, Turner Gill, it's like a name I know, and I'm not sure why I know it, because he didn't get to the big leagues. You ever have those moments where you've just taken in so much information, you're like, why do I know the name Turner Gill? Maybe I should... And Turner Gill did not sign. Is that the same Turner Gill who went on to, like, be a coach, maybe? Like, a football coach? Let's... let's uh, I'm going to pause the podcast. Yes, it is. That is why I know Turner Gill. He, uh, I'm assuming Turner Gill from Arlington Heights High School is one in the same here. And uh, th- this would be him. He, yeah, he would uh, play... He would coach in Nebraska and Buffalo... That's where I know him. He had that good run at Buffalo, and then didn't he come back and have a really bad run at Buffalo or something like that? I don't know. But, yeah, he uh, he was a football guy. That's that's who that ended up being the selection there. you got to love the weirdness sometimes of the baseball draft. I'm going to come back uh, and talk about who the Indians took with their uh, second pick, who was also a compensation pick for the Cleveland baseball team. 
So let's talk about our excellent friends over at Bet Online. Talking about them for a year because they help support this show. I'm going to start off by saying that these full year sponsors, these are the lifeblood of the show. So if this is your thing, definitely go to Bet Online, check it out. Bet Online has you covered for all season. More prompts, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head over to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. So this is already a really weird draft. Can we just be upfront and honest about that? The Indians don't have a first rounder, or don't have a. Their first rounder is one of their best picks in franchise history, but he never plays for him because the Rule 5 is the bane of their existence. They don't have a second rounder because the second rounder goes to the White Sox who use it to draft a future college football coach and college football player. The Indians in the third round actually end up with the fifth overall pick because the Padres signed Rick Wise. I can still picture his baseball card, uh, though his picture on baseball reference is not the card that I think of in my mind. Uh, Rick Wise at that point was already 33. Uh, he was still effective the next few years. I mean, his his FIPS were under four as a starter, so at that I think a third-round pick for that, much like we said, the Orta one was a good one. That worked out. They took Gregory Pope, a junior college player out of Sacramento State. Uh, in terms of Gregory Pope, he uh, played in the organization for uh, about as long as Kelly Gruber did. <laughs> uh, a little shorter, actually. Uh, he was, let's see, 80 and 81 Partway through 81, he's in Montreal. I don't know if he got... This is this is why I kind of wish that baseball reference had like their draft stuff on these guys who never made it to the big leagues. They don't have the uh, transactions on here. I'd love to see, like, was he traded? Was he let go? What happened? What 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 occurred here uh, for Gregory Pope that uh, that caused him partway through to end up in Montreal? Uh, I mean, he really barely pitched that entire year. It was uh, six total innings. Uh, Oh, no, I'm six. Yeah, in 81. I don't think he actually pitched at all for uh, Montreal. Then we come back in 82, and that was the end of his career. Uh, now, now what you're hoping for in that third round itself, uh, Danny Tartable. Good old Danny Tartable was the uh, the most successful player. Uh, also in that round, they took Bart Mackey, another high school kid. This is a very high school heavy draft. Definitely a different Indians team than uh, they would be a few years down the line. Mackey uh, did not make the big leagues. Fourth round, they take another high school kid. And this is where I'm like, have I talked about this draft class before? This is their best draft pick, Doug Drabeck. They just don't sign him. Uh, he is not signed. He goes uh, goes to school and uh, you know becomes a very solid pitcher. Uh, no one too much of note. Uh, you do have Ricky Horton. Here we go. I got to talk about Ricky Horton because, uh, you know, this one's for Aaron. Ricky Horton is one of the top five University of Virginia players in history. And I believe, isn't Ricky Horton, in my mind, he's a pitcher. I think he's the only player who's ever been a starting pitcher for more than like three seasons out of the University of Virginia. Uh, he ended up with 53 starts for his career. So, uh, yeah, Ricky Horton. Uh, hey, Aaron, who who would have guessed? You know, uh, most successful pick in the fourth round, and one of the most successful players in University of Virginia history in the big leagues. I just can't help but pile on. 
Eric Jones in the fifth round, another high school kid. Not much to show for that for the uh, Cleveland baseball team. The overall fifth round, uh, when your best drafted player has a negative uh, 0.5 war, that's probably enough said, right? We can move on. Ron Roy Johnson, outfielder, Expos. Sixth round, the Indians finally get on the board. Jeff Moronka. Uh, he was a college player out of Texas Wesley in Fort Worth. He would play 14 games in the big leagues. And yes, that makes him you know, one of the better picks I made. Randy Reddy, Joe Orsalik, your top players in that round. Let's, let's keep piling through. Seventh round, Rich Thompson. Hey, he made it to the big leagues uh, for 77 games out of Amherst College. That's, and that's already one of your most successful, actually, drafted, signed uh, players in terms of the round itself. Don Slot is uh, your most successful. Am I off? Is Richie Thompson is in the eighth round. I missed Norman Morton, who they didn't sign. Another high school kid in the seventh. That's the Don Slot round. Uh, it, it gets a bit punchy when the draft is this bad. Uh, I'm just gonna be honest with you. Uh, so the uh, the eighth round is actually really good if you're the right team. Al Nipper had a, a decent performance with the Red Sox out of Truman State. Uh, Lloyd McClendon, more of that uh, future manager type of stuff. Uh, I mean, he has a catcher. He would play a while in the big leagues. But the the big thing here, that's when the Reds drafted Eric Davis out of Fremont High School in Los Angeles, California. Now there is a, a, I mean, he, let's see, did he end up beating Daryl Strawberry for highest war in this class? No. Strawberry was better because, I mean, Davis was just health. Uh, Strawberry was other things. But Davis is one of the top five players in this draft class. That is for sure. Uh, ninth round, the Indians signed Eddie Tanner, shortstop out of Brooklyn Case High School and from South Carolina. Ninth round for this draft, Craig Lefferts. Uh, John Farrell's drafted and did not sign, if you want a future friend alert. And we always at least go to the 10th, right? Well, the 10th had Lawrence Dotson, a four-year player. And for the draft itself, uh, no one worth mentioning. The Indians did have some success with Mike Jeffcoat in the uh, the 13th round. He would have a few games in the big leagues. I've talked about him at some point because that name jumped out at me. He might be one of the better 13th round selections they've had. Maybe that's what I'm remembering. The 16th round at a new Ulm High School. Uh, in Minnesota, they, they really liked this third baseman, Terry Steinbach. Unfortunately, they couldn't sign him. Uh, and then they would find some success in the 29th round with Jack Fimple from Humboldt State, who would get 92 games in the big leagues. Not bad for a guy who was in the, again, 29th round, 701st selection overall. Yeah, this class stands out for who they didn't sign, a pair of future All-Stars in Steinbeck and Drebeck. And then... A really good first-round pick who never played for them uh, is just the unfortunate truth of this. It's a draft class that did not bring them value because the value that they did acquire, they did not keep. And then when they were smart in their scouting, they were not able to keep said uh, players. So they didn't end up with much to show for this class. Uh, That's just, you know, the truth of the matter. It ended up being a class that didn't do much to help this team going forward. Uh... You know, there was, it is interesting as I just continue to go through on my own, like Lenny, you know, some point along the line, I jumped into 1980 instead of, or 81 instead of 80. So the 80th third round pick or 13th round pick was Ed Vanderberg as opposed to uh, Lenny Dykstra in 81. 
But yeah, it's it's not a great draft class. It does have a lot. Like I said, this is a draft class that is probably more uh, has more famous future execs and managers than it does baseball players. Uh, the overall man. How about the side note before I call it a podcast? That uh, that 17, 16th round where the Indians took Steinbach. I mean, he was the highest player, but also in that one, drafting and sign Oil Can Boyd and Jim Eisenreich. Uh, that's not a bad 17th round by any means. Uh, Mike Brumley didn't sign, but he played, you know, I, I remember him. He played hundreds of games in the big leagues. John Moses played, a, what, almost 800 games in the big leagues. That's that's something. That's, you know, that is uh, a surprisingly good round out of nowhere. Uh, so, yeah, that, that was kind of the fun thing. You never know. Like I said, I like to, I'll probably go through the entire draft, just kind of seeing what, if there's anyone else who pops out, uh, I'm not going to just sit here and do that on the podcast, but I'm going to do that for fun afterwards because that's the type of sick individual I am. I want to thank you for listening. Remember to rate and review. That helps our show grow. Download daily. Uh, tell a friend. All that fun stuff. I promise we're going to have good content, lockout or no lockout. I'm going to continue going through draft classes. I'm going to continue going through failed prospects, position reviews, having some interviews, all that fun stuff. So make sure to keep listening in. For all the good stuff, I have been Jeff Ellis. You can follow me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. Send me ideas for the show there. I, I listen. Felt Prospect Series came through such a thing. Uh, and as I say now, go, go, Guardians, go. Please go. Please play.